I'm Andrew Sherman. I'm a Texas transplant who has always been in pursuit of art as a career. I've played in bands, pursued an acting career in Hollywood, but I found it behind the lens of a camera here in Dallas, Texas. I was born in New York, I've lived in Chicago, Los Angeles, Austin, but I love Dallas. There's a magical artistic scene in Dallas that mostly goes unnoticed to the outside world. This podcast is focused on what makes it so special and the people who make it thrive artistically. If you don't live here, and even if you do, you might not have heard of them. This is the Dallas Famous Podcast. So who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you are? Who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you are? us. Yeah. Kristen Keith is an actress on the rise. She had already been an exceptional professional violinist and even played at a few symphonies locally. But in 2014, she had a change of heart and threw herself into acting, and it's going very well. In that first year, she appeared in almost 20 projects, and she just appeared in the film with Martin Scorsese. The roles seem to keep coming. For the first time anywhere, Kristen talks about what it's like being an actress with Tourette's syndrome, and it's very fascinating. I hope you enjoy my chat with the lovely Kristen Keith. Hey, we're back, and we've got Kristen Keith. How you doing? Very good. I'm really, really happy to be here. I mean, I mean, I feel honored that you wanted oh. to talk to me. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so this is this is kind of new information for me um, after we set up the interview, but it's fascinating to me. So, uh, well, to let people know you're an uh, actress and mm-hmm. you are a classically trained violin player, violinist, and mm-hmm. uh, played in some symphonies. We're going to get to all that. Um, but you're an actor that has Tourette's. Yes. So how does that <laughs> how does that work? Oh, well, it makes things complicated. <laughs> well, I guess, is there different uh, kinds of Tourette's? Like, I'm, I'm naive about Tourette's. There are different um, severities of it. Uh, well, for people who don't know what it is, uh, Tourette's syndrome is it's a neurological disorder uh, where you have a lot of tics. Um, it can be a new thing from uh, head movements that you do repeatedly or facial tics or... Um, things with your voice. Um, while I was growing up with it, in fact, this is the first time I've ever come out like openly to the world <laughs> that, <laughs> wow, okay. that I have this. <clears throat> it's it's always been something I've tried my best to keep under wraps. People just always thought, well, she's kind of, there's something off about her. <laughs> she's kinda, <laughs> she clears her throat a lot, you know. <laughs> um, but just so everybody knows, this is what it is. It's Tourette's syndrome. And it's it's just, um, I mean, everybody has tics uh, to some degree. Sure. Uh, everybody has little, well, not everybody, but a lot of people I mean, do. But you even some, it out of yourself, someone with you Tourette's syndrome, it, it's like, you do it so much to where it interferes with your life. And it's it's almost like a, uh, I don't know, it's like your brain is telling you, it's sending signals to do this motion with your head or your face or your hands or whatever. And it's like if you, you literally have to do it. It's like you can't, you even do it when you're not aware of it. And I, it was the plague of my existence growing up. I was made fun of and school you know and you know people imitating me and stuff like that but they didn't know what it was they just thought I just did weird motions with my face and my head luckily it's gotten a lot less Uh as I've gotten older naturally or you trained yourself out just naturally I, I I did some reading I've done reading on you know Tourette's syndrome not a lot but um 
Stuff I've read says that for some people, it, it tends to lessen as you get older. Mm. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I can't imagine you're holding a violin and your body is telling you to, to move. Is that like messing up your playing? Well, now that is... Okay, the interesting thing about um, Tourette's syndrome is that when when you're highly focused on uh, on a performance or like if it's music, playing an instrument or, or acting... It's weird. It goes away huh. while you're performing. And and I really think that somebody should do a study on this because uh, not only does, like, like when I play the violin or when I'm acting, not only does, like, like when the director says action and it's time for me to be in character and you know, live as that person for that couple of minutes, that Tourette's syndrome goes away. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because um, I don't know how, what it is about the brain that when you're so highly focused on something that it can make a disability go away temporarily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm curious <clears throat> now because is this, did you recognize that being focused on something made it go away? Is this why you got so into the violin? No, um, i I was I was already into the violin. I was already uh I didn't I didn't know that that would happen. I uh-huh. didn't know that it would um temporarily make it go away while I was playing okay. or performing. It just was something that was it was a nice discovery. Uh-huh. <laughs> um <clears throat> uh, But I mean did that encourage you to like to play even more? Uh, no, no, no. I think I think it was just my passion for you just music loved it. that okay. yeah. But it's interesting because I've met other people in other art forms or other fields of performance that have other disabilities and theirs go away as well when they're performing. Like I have a, I met another actor who's on the autism spectrum and you know, a lot of people with autism, they, a lot of them have trouble with eye contact, you know, in a social setting, they'll avoid eye contact with whoever's talking to them, whoever they're talking to. Um, And so this actor, he had never booked an acting job before, and he he finally booked his first acting job. And he was shocked to discover that once he was on set and the director said action and it was time for him to do a scene, one-on-one with another acting partner, he the entire time he was able to maintain eye contact mm, wow. and it, and it, i mean that's something that plagued him was was you know not being able to make eye contact but once you're performing it that that symptom is gone it's, fascinating and then i have another friend who who is a a champion uh ping pong player <laughs> and he has parkinson's disease Ooh. and he he competes uh in ping pong with Parkinson's, it's he's a, he's also an actor and he's also a violinist. <laughs> Fascinating human being, wild. That <clears throat> and is wild. he That's said a... that when he plays ping pong, his Parkinson's symptoms lessen. It's something about the amount of focus that you have when you are performing or doing something, you know, that artistic or or a sport. 
I, and that's why I think that someone should really do a study on yeah, this type whoever, of thing. Whoever, if there's any research scientists <laughs> listening to this podcast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that that's probably going to be the way to get it done, but yeah. It's kind of a funny story because uh, my my great acting buddy, Rob Hudspeth, who you interviewed a couple weeks ago, uh-huh. <clears throat> the first film that he and I worked on together, uh, he, he and I didn't know each other at the time. <laughs> and he came into the room and we were about to film a scene and my big tick uh, these days is like clearing my throat. I do it incessantly. People always call me out on it. You know, they're always like, do you need a mint or a throat lozenge? <laughs> I'm like, no, it's just something I do. Um, but he came in the room and, and, you know, I'm the other actress in the scene and, and, and I'm just clearing my throat constantly. And, and <laughs> Rob told me years later that his thought was, oh, my gosh. We're going to be here all night. <laughs> this actress isn't going to get her lines out. She's just, oh, my gosh. This is going to take forever. Oh, no. But then um, once it was time to do the scene and the director says action, then I broke into this beautiful British accent for the, for the character <laughs> and delivered my lines perfectly and... Um, <laughs> Not a single throat clearing the whole thing. Yeah, you're friends ever since. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if you had blown it, you wouldn't have been friends. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> anyway, well, I, I really appreciate you opening up about that. That's that's fascinating. And, I mean, I watched some of your video clips. I would oh, never really? have known that was happening. Oh, good, good. Also, <laughs> gosh, you're so intense. <laughs> on film. Oh, um, well, thank you. Let's get to the beginning. I got I got ahead of myself. That was kind of interesting, but let's... <laughs> Is that your real name, Kristen Keith? Yes, that's my real name. Okay. I have a man's name as my last name. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's eh, there's worse, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're an actress, but mm-hmm. I, after doing some research, I realize you're more recently an actress. Uh, you not Well, it's been a minute, but still, you were originally a classically trained musician. Yes, yes, a violinist. Okay. Um, I really dedicated my whole life to that. Um, that's what I did my entire adult life, as well as my childhood, I pretty much sacrificed my childhood for it, um, mm. for that intensive of training. Mm. Um, I actually started late. It, it's considered late. Um, as a violinist, I was 12. Most people start when they're three, you know, right. who, who really make a career out of it. Um, but I started at 12, and, and I just went really head-on serious with it. It was my passion. Uh, and when I was 14... I'd only been playing for two years, but I'd made so much progress that I got accepted on by a teacher at SMU, and he uh, was a teaching assistant for a man named Ivan Galamian. He's like, (laughs) he's he's one of the great uh, violin masters, teachers um, of our time. And, uh, so I- That's pretty huge then. Yeah, yeah, and and so I, I would practice like, I, I was expected to practice a minimum of four hours a day, uh, but in order to be really good, you have to do at least that, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, and gosh, I was um, all all through junior high and high school. I would I would wake up at four in the morning, practice until it was time to go to school. Then uh, I, I made sure I had like a one period of the day that was study hall. Or I guess now they call it advisory class. It's a it's a class where you can just study during mm-hmm. 
that hour and I would use that as a time to go into the band hall and practice the violin again then during lunch hour I would practice through lunch uh, oftentimes and then come home put in another two and a half to three hours Um, and then in the summers I would go to a music camp um, in Vermont and about only 26 people out of the world would be accepted to study there and I would uh, there in the summers I'd be playing the violin at least about 12 10 8 to 10 to 12 hours a day okay all right I want to uh, stop you because I want to back up a little bit <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot there but I, I, I'm curious now about a lot of things for, well first mm-hmm. of all I forgot to ask you're from Texas well um I my early childhood was in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. You can probably still hear some of the accents. I was say, it's a pretty thick Texas accent. No, it's not a oh, Texas oh. accent. Okay, that's why. Yeah, um, but I moved here to Dallas when I was nine. Okay, so that that's pretty much Dallas. You grew up here. Yeah, yeah, okay. pretty much. And then I, I want to skip a little bit. Okay, so you didn't start playing till you were 12, you said? Yeah. Uh, I mean, when's the first time you picked up a violin? 12. <laughs> like, so you had never even considered it or you thought about it like i don't understand how you well when i was about i guess it was maybe five or six i saw somebody on tv playing the violin and they were playing it really badly (laughs) it was was a sitcom and some kid was playing a violin and the whole joke was that they sounded horrible but seeing that kid play the violin oh my gosh it, it just shot this passion through me that that never left me I wanted to play the violin but I mean we lived in Mississippi my parents didn't know exactly you know how to get a a little kid started in, in violin they did I don't know they they just never got me a violin they never got me into lessons uh-huh. and then finally after we moved here to Dallas um, you know just the public school system when uh, when you're 12, you, you get to pick an instrument. And I was like, oh, my God, uh-huh. yes, finally, I can play the violin. How, how long was it? Because I know this is something like how long is it from the time you picked it up to like, OK, I can play a song to OK, it doesn't suck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's different for different people. Um, well, for you, obviously. For me, mm, gosh, it's kind of gosh, it's hard to remember. But um, <laughs> I I. I, I practiced so much from, right from the beginning that I guess it didn't take me too long. And it's so interesting um, how like you were so, I mean, like no one in your family was a musician. Well, my my brothers played guitar and my dad sort of played a little bit of guitar. But that but, wasn't really what inspired you, though. No, no. And then you're playing violin. Like, were you you're playing in school? You're doing all like classical pieces or? Yeah, yeah, mostly uh, classical um sometimes movie music or uh-huh. whatever was cool at the time right okay <laughs> okay okay so then and then you so you start going you're involved at smu uh, before you've been in college yeah and then uh-huh. then pick it up from there i guess yeah and then in the summers I, I was so blessed to go to this music camp that i that i mentioned earlier that um where i got to study with teachers from juilliard um so oh, i was wow. um Sally Thomas and Ann Setzer, who are who were great teachers at Juilliard, who taught a lot of the great, you know, uh, solo violinists uh-huh. <laughs> um, out there in the world. Oh, and, are you mostly doing solo? Or are you doing orchestra? Like all of it? Kind of all of it. Uh-huh. Um, chamber music, orchestra, um, and then when I became a professional violinist, um, I, I did all kinds of stuff. 
um, played in symphonies and uh, did a lot of gigging, you know, freelance work, a lot of sure. weddings. Um, Is there a certain type of music you like to play best on the violin? Oh, uh, I just love Baroque music, huh. like Bach, uh-huh. you know, Vivaldi. It's kind of like the heavy metal of their time, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's just like so energetic. And uh, I don't know, I just really love Baroque, huh. the Baroque period. Yeah. Also, I, I assume that you're mostly playing sheet music. Like, is there any improvising going on too? Or? Not very much. Not in the classical world. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't think so. I just meant, you yeah. know, because you're, you know, you're in Texas and there's Americana, so you could be playing fiddle as opposed to violin. True, true. And I did, I have, you know, dabbled in that. Um, but having such a, such a strong, such a vast amount of, experience and training with relying on sheet music i don't know i just i've tried the whole improvising thing i just it's like my mind is not quick enough i don't know i've gotten so dependent i think on sure the written music that you know what's interesting too is i i think um i wonder if maybe you didn't burn out as soon because you started later i mean it sounds intense but it's yeah. still like you weren't doing it from three so it wasn't like you had a lot of stuff going on before you were playing violin true true i did get to have a childhood Mm -hmm. up until then (laughs) i mean i still had a childhood but it sounds worse than people that like get up and go skating or swimming or gymnastics it sounds like more it it is kind of like like olympic type training in a way for sure yeah because it's just such a difficult instrument to play i don't think you ever master Right. The well, I, I mean, I might have skipped over this. I might have asked this. Was, what point did you go, you know what? I, I'm actually good. Like, I, compared to other people, I'm actually good at this. Like, did ah. you? <laughs> um, well, I guess after I've been playing for a couple of years, um, and I, I, I was always like, you know, kind of the first chair concert master mm-hmm. violinist mm-hmm. in the orchestra and at, like at school, you know. Sure. And... Um, and I caught on to things a little faster, maybe, than other musicians in class and classes, and <laughs> I don't know. That's cool. Um, and it and it was my private lesson teacher when I was about fourteen who really recommended, who said, who really encouraged me, saying, "You need to be with a better mm-hmm. teacher. You've surpassed what I can give you, and I think you need a higher level." teacher which is very nice for a teacher to do that's a very good you know, teacher yeah um and so then i you know auditioned for the for his name is ron neal he was at smu um and and you went to school at smu too right. yeah i did i went i ended up going to college there okay um did yeah. you know our friend rob hutspeth over there he's sitting <laughs> no. in the living room right now? <laughs> yeah you interviewed rob a, f- a few weeks ago i did and he apparently couldn't Hello, get enough because he's trying to what was He's he, here in the audience what was he today. Up? He wanted you to. He wanted to. Um. Yeah. Well, Rob is older than me, so he was at SMU before I was. Okay. We never crossed crossed paths, except for I think I did see him. He he worked at a place called Sound Warehouse about uh, when that place existed uh-huh. next to SMU, and I. He and I met probably about like seven eight years ago. But he showed me a picture of when he was younger, and I swear I remember seeing him. He helped me at Sound Warehouse to find some <laughs> classical music. Wild. I rem- 
I remember it his. It was an all classical music sound warehouse. Wow. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Not what I expect from Rob, but okay. <laughs> we all have a past. I he guess. knows a lot about classical music. I mean, all kinds of music. Okay. So, okay. So you SMU and then <laughs> you graduate. I mean, I guess you're doing all kinds of music at SMU as well. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I majored in music and minored in theater. Um, oh, so you're already doing a little bit of theater back then? Yeah. Unfortunately, in. At SMU, when you minor in theater, you, you really don't get to do a lot of acting. Oh, because they're putting the majors up. Found out. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously, it, the bug was in your head at that point. It was. It, in fact, it was in my head even in high school, because um, I, I took theater in high school, and something about it I just really loved. Mm-hmm. But I was already so involved with music that. I mean, so intensely, as you already mm-hmm. know, that I, I didn't, I couldn't devote my time to another artistic passion. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's kind of strange because by the time I finally became an actress, which was only, what, maybe nine Your bio ten, says nine 2014. Years ago. So. <clears throat> yeah, nine years ago. <laughs> um, by the time I finally took the plunge to become an actress and to to, to devote myself to that fully and to kind of walk away from music I didn't feel like a beginner actor it's interesting because I I actually spent oh gosh at least 20 years reading every book I could on acting on acting technique all the various types of techniques, uh, books about how to act for the camera. Um, I mean, everything I could because I, I, I've, even though I was so passionate about music and so involved in it, I felt like, I, I, I always felt something pulling me toward acting. Okay. Um, almost like, well, I've heard of, I've heard of called the whispers, like, that that your your soul is always telling you what you should be doing as long you know you just have to keep yourself quiet enough inside to really listen to what your calling is what where you're being guided and I always felt something spiritually pulling me toward acting but I never I was always too scared I was always too afraid to you know, put myself out there and, sure. <clears throat> and I was so involved with music. Yeah. It's interesting because <laughs> sometimes the issue for people is, oh, I'm just, I'm too nervous because I've never been on stage. Well, you've been on stage uh, your whole yeah, life. True. That wasn't what it was. <laughs> true. But okay. Well, I, I feel like, so wait, you, you skipped a little bit of your history. <laughs> We're almost to all acting, but you were in a couple <laughs> symphonies in the middle there somehow, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it's very interesting because Dallas, Dallas, Fort Worth has a very rich um, cultural uh, world to yeah. it. And like every suburb literally has its own professional symphony orchestra. There's not just the Dallas Symphony. Oh, wow. A lot of people are surprised to know. Uh-huh. There's the Irving Symphony. There's the Plano Symphony. There's Las Colinas Symphony. Um, and then and then even in other parts, there's like Abilene Symphony. And, and a lot of the same musicians play in all of these symphonies. Oh, um, okay. And some of them are pretty good. I mean, when I was playing in it, 
Plano Symphony and Irving Symphony, they were they were rocking. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the talent of musicians in the area in general is great, so it stands to reason mm-hmm. that that would be true. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of great musicians. Mm-hmm. Just like there are a lot of great actors around here, but, yeah. you know, they're just not known. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. So you're doing you're doing the 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 or what what at what point did you go? You know what? I'm gonna try the acting. Well, um, uh, it was a series of circumstances, um, which kind of enabled it. Really, enabled me to make the switch. It was I had kids, <laughs> and um, so neither of my I have two kids, and neither of them would go to sleep without m- mommy laying in the bed with them mm-hmm. and um i mean literally it was a nightmare for my husband to try they would not go to sleep if i wasn't with them uh. so i needed to be home at nights you know while they were babies um i didn't have them both at the same time it's, i'm making it sound like i did <laughs> <laughs> um but with my first child um so and and symphony her- rehearsals and concerts are at night so I thought, okay, you know, I'm going to take a a couple years off from the symphony. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to be here for my for my kiddos uh, and help them get to sleep tonight, mm-hmm. at, at night. Um, so I, I stopped orchestras for the first time. And it, it felt odd. It yeah. felt almost like I was betraying everything I'd worked for, but... Uh, I stopped playing in symphonies. I stopped gigging. I I really just didn't play in anything for a long time. And and then I started to realize, you know what? I'm free to pursue acting. Huh. Hmm. And so huh. I, I, was, I was, yeah. I, I I finally realized I have no excuse now to to not take the plunge and and try this out. Uh, so I just, I finally got up the courage and I enrolled in an acting class and, um, eh, the rest is history. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Teresa Bell, I assume. Yeah. I, I've, I've studied with, um, teachers all over. I, I made okay. sure to, to, I've had bouts where I, I've studied at various different studios because that, because you really get a lot. Yeah. You get different things from different teachers. Absolutely. Of course. So I've studied with Teresa Bell. And she's awesome. Mm-hmm. And Glenn Morshower. Uh, and I studied the longest at a place called Class Act Dallas. It's, it no longer exists. Mm-hmm. The, the the teacher passed away. Um, but that felt like a family. Uh, and Glenn Morshower's class feels like a family. Um, mm-hmm. Really all over. I, Del Shores, is a, he's a, a playwright and movie director. And I've studied with him and done various workshops and mm-hmm. it does but like you that. did you, you came into it like you're a novice actor but you're not a novice performer you read yeah. all these books mm-hmm. so like how quickly were you feeling comfortable and getting roles really quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> I, um because i'd already literally devoured this book that's it's my bible on acting it's all about how to act for the camera so i already knew all the ins and outs about how to be on set, how to, because there is a, you know, being on, on a film set, it's, it, there's more to just, there's more to it than just acting. A lot you have more. To, yeah. You have to know how to, 
act for a camera. It's mm-hmm. very different from being in a theater, of course. Absolutely. Um, so I already, it was, I was shocked because when I, when I got on my first film set, I knew more about how to act for the camera than a lot of people who were there, a lot of the other actors who, <laughs> yeah. who were there, you know, who had been doing it for a long time. Because huh. I, I just really, I'm a, I'm an incessant researcher when I'm interested in something. Uh, so, yeah, 20 years of research really made me feel like I wasn't a beginner when I right. did my first film. Do you remember your first role? Yeah. Um, well, my first lead role, it was actually in a student film for TCU. It's a film called Worth. And still to this day, that's one of my, it's one of my really, really cherished film roles. I played a prostitute. It was a, (laughs) it's not about sex or anything. Right. It's a person who has that job. (laughs) Yes. I get you. I think I saw that you had 14, like, student or short films and two commercials and two films is that oh, right that was during my first year yeah your first acting. year that's amazing yeah oh i went really gung-ho for the, my first you year you're gung on everything it's <laughs> impressive your focus it's true. <laughs> true when i when i when i have a passion and i want to do something and once i finally start doing it i i, I want to go full bore right with it right and just give everything of my self to I, I don't know I like to see how much I can accomplish in an area yeah, I don't know sure that makes sense but. I mean I mean <laughs> I, maybe yeah. <laughs> so um I know I, I feel like I heard something about Martin Scorsese yes so, yes what's that um, story I hope it's okay for me to talk about it you know when you're when you're cast in a film they swear you you have to swear to secrecy and not oh, the film's revealing. not out yet it's not out yet but uh, it's i mean it's been two years since it was almost two years since it was filmed a hmm. year and a half i would think it's okay <laughs> well maybe tell us about the audition process that's probably okay ah, <clears throat> well i my uh i got a call from my agent and uh and she said that uh a very very important casting director had had contacted her and said that she wanted to uh, have a Zoom audition with me for a Martin Scorsese film. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. Wow. You bet, I'll yeah. be there. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so they wanted me to audition for like two or three different roles. Uh, had a Zoom meeting with uh, Ellen Lewis is the casting director and she's cast a lot of Martin Scorsese's films. Uh Wolf of Wall Street, um, Shutter Island, The Irishman, you know, uh, a lot of, uh-huh. a lot of, and a lot of Woody Allen films. I mean, she's, she's big time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I felt so honored to, to get to act for her. Um, had a Zoom meeting, uh, read for a couple different roles. And then, you know, and, and afterwards, you know, a long time goes by, you don't hear anything. And that's that's common, mm-hmm. you know. As an actor, you learn to just, you know, after you do an audition, you you put it aside, you move on to the next thing, you yeah. don't think about it too much. Yeah, you try anyway. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't hear anything, it means you didn't get it, and that's fine, you're already focusing on the next 
uh, thing in front of you. It's a very healthy approach. I didn't have that. Yes, one. yes. <laughs> if you don't okay. have that attitude, it'll eat it. you alive and yeah. you just fall into depression. Right. <clears throat> um, but anyways, a long time passed and I... And I and I just spent my time feeling grateful for that opportunity. And um, but then I got another call from my agent. She said, "Ellen Lewis wants to meet with you again uh, for you to read for another role." And um, so, I, and that's always a great sign. Yeah. Any time a casting director calls you back, even if it's not, even if you didn't get the part the first time or or whatever, or even if they're calling you to audition for. A completely different project. That's always a wonderful sign. Yeah. It means they liked what they saw. Even yeah. if you weren't right for the part, you know, even if you didn't get that role, it means they were impressed with yeah. your work. There's so something that's about you they like. Very yeah. good. <clears throat> but this was to read for the same movie. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon is what the movie is. Okay. Um so I uh, met with her and her uh, casting assistant and read for maybe two more roles. I can't remember. Um, anyway, and, uh, you know, then when it was over, put it aside in my mind. I didn't think about it anymore. You know, I'm on to the next thing. And um, then a few weeks later, maybe a month later, um, got an email from my agent saying I'd booked, booked a And it wasn't for... I didn't book any of the roles that I auditioned for. Huh. <laughs> In fact, the role that I got, it was a non-speaking role, but um, I'm, I'm in a scene with a character who I did read for, I, I auditioned for, but I didn't get. And originally, uh, when I auditioned for this character who's in this scene, there was no other actress in the scene but now, um, <laughs> they like added you in. Yeah, basically. it's like they added a. They a wanted to put you in non-speaking somewhere. role in the same yeah. scene, but and that was me. Um, and I spent three months going back and forth to Oklahoma and. Uh, three months. So you're. Yeah, it was a it, long scene, it, or there's more than one scene. Well. <laughs> oh, you can't talk about all this stuff. Yet? No, no, no. I, I, okay. I mean, I think it's okay. Um, it's a non-speaking role. My scene is probably 10 seconds long in the mm. movie. <clears throat> but I was lucky enough to where my scene was a scene. It's There's a term in the film industry. It's called the, for, for a certain scene, it's called the cover set. And that is the scene. It's usually kind of a... I don't know, maybe a lesser important scene. I don't know. <laughs> but it's it's on the schedule. It's put on the schedule as an alternate shooting option for like, um, you know, you have your main scenes that are, are scheduled to be shot. But if some of those are like an outdoor scene where it might rain that day, you know, if, mm -hmm. if, if weather doesn't permit for you to, to film that scene that day, then they'll go to the... To the and film they'll go and film the cover set scene which is the it's usually an indoor scene mm -hmm. nothing's gonna affect so it's it. sort of like a on standby if we can't do our yes right and luckily i was on the on standby uh scene so <laughs> they just the, kept bringing you up yeah they would bring me up i would i you know they'd say we might get to your scene today we might not you know just and how many three months <clears throat> yeah uh the first time i went up there i stayed for three weeks 
uh, in a hotel and um, wow. and just waited. And finally they said, okay, we're just, we're just, we're going to send you home for a bit. Um, Cause we're obviously, we haven't gotten to your scene yet. And huh. so they sent me home and then a few weeks later went back up and it, it's great to be a part of the cover set scene. Yeah. Cause you made a lot more money. I made a lot more money than sure. people. But people also, who, you're hanging out, like you know, with some of these crew people. Some oh people, yeah, actors. yeah, because because they would put me, you know, they would, I would be on set some of those days. I, they would get me in full costume, full makeup, full, you know, the hair, everything, mm-hmm. and we'd be ready oh, to wow. shoot. Oh wow! Like you're literally like on literally standby. on set. Wow. Yeah, and the people huh. I got to meet was just such a wonderful experience like because like the lady doing the hair she she personally cuts martin scorsese's hair yeah she's got stories she i mean i looked up everybody's imdb pages you know right and seeing who my makeup artist uh what project she's worked on like fear of the walking dead and the the hairdresser um you know, she's done Ben Affleck's hair and, and just all these people. And right. I'm thinking, I'm sitting in her chair. Wow. That's yeah. <laughs> that was a really, really healthy good. perspective on all of it, I got to say. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny, thinking back to what you were saying about, like, you know, people don't realize what it is to be on a film or set. For me, it was like I, I only had one role. It was like I, I was an extra regular on uh, Less Than Perfect um, TV mm-hmm. show uh, with Sarah Rue. And... Uh, Man, the day that I did it, I mean, I was just like sitting in my trailer all day. And by the time I got to do my one line, I was like, I barely even know what I'm doing anymore. Like, what day is it? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of waiting. Yeah. Hurry up and wait. That's that's Uh the that's the Hurry and wait. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, at least you're getting paid for it. That's that's true. Not bad. But, you know, I get it. You want to you want to do your thing. You know, (laughs) Um, any other roles that are memorable that uh um let's see well um yeah i mean i've been on um a couple television shows like um the ones that are shot here in dallas like Mm -hmm. murder made me famous and Mm -hmm. scandal made me famous and i i got (laughs) strangely enough i've been cast as a prostitute (laughs) my best projects i've been like i'm a prostitute in martin scorsese's film i was a prostitute in murder made me famous (laughs) <laughs> I was a prostitute. Maybe, maybe um, I'm naive. Maybe there are tons of prostitutes rocking around. It just seems like there's more prostitute roles than there are prostitutes sometimes. <laughs> I know. Am I wrong? I, mean, <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, so for in Murder Made Me Famous, I was uh, it was a Jack the Ripper episode. Oh. So it was, you know, all done. It was a period piece, so all done in the time. I was That's one of the fun. prostitutes who got murdered, and uh. it was gorily gruesome yeah that's funny (laughs) Uh, here's another like side kind of question so i mean you seem pretty entrenched in the area is is that do you have any plans to maybe go further away from dallas to act or you just want to make it happen here uh about a year ago i was like heavily heavily considering moving to georgia Mm. Uh, because there's so much going on there but I mean, and I would have done that if I hadn't had kids. Mm-hmm. My, like my my eldest is so attached to his friends, and I don't know. Yeah. I growing up, I had a dad who moved me, you know, to another state 
and I know how traumatic that was on me and my oh. brothers at the time. And I just, I can't, I don't know. As much as I love acting, I, I love my kid more and I want. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it would really be traumatic. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like there's enough work here for an actor? <clears throat> oh, gosh. Eh, it it comes and goes. I, I mean, I do. I'm so grateful to have an agent, an amazingly uh, wonderful agent. I'm yeah. with Linda McAllister. Oh, yeah. and, uh-huh. uh, so I do get to audition for, you know, TV shows that are shooting in New Mexico and right. Shreveport still active. Oh, Shreveport, pardon? Louisiana, are they still doing stuff there. Yes, I think so. Not so I much. No, I, I don't really hear yeah. as much. <clears throat> Oklahoma is oh. the big hub these days. Yeah, I, I'm getting a lot of auditions for Oklahoma, and then I always get them from New Mexico. Right. I'm sure they probably lean toward hiring the whoever's local mm-hmm. up there more mm-hmm. often than not maybe not i might i might be wrong <laughs> right well, but interesting. i, don't I didn't realize that about oklahoma but i guess they're doing like the yellowstone and stuff like yeah, that yeah yeah tulsa king right mm-hmm. yeah. so and then i think uh i mean i don't i, I guess it's not happening where you did podcasts like what other projects do you have like going or had been going mm. uh, well my good friend rob hudspeth and i we're kind of we're th- we're we've got some stuff in the works. Okay. Just like s- fun social media stuff, you cool. know, um, a little twenty to twenty second to one minute videos that are just comedic goofball. Oh, nice stuff. <laughs> oh, send some over. We'll post some of that. Huh? We'll post some of that when you guys when you guys oh, are ready. Oh my gosh, good. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Is there anything else uh, coming up? Or uh, there's a, a film called Wicked Season that. Does it have distribution? I'm, I'm asking my friend Rob here, who's mm-hmm. should have got Rob a mic. <laughs> um, and my acting buddy Rob and I, we we play some gruesome monsters in that film, and um, he plays a lot of that. So I'm gonna look the monster and the prostitute. There's maybe a film out there, one of your skits, <laughs> possibly. Do a movie of so I'm hearing that you've got two films coming up. Yeah, there are two short films that. Um, hey, so this is some good advice for actors out there who are listening. Hmm. Um, make sure that you you keep posting on social media about what projects you're involved in. Mm-hmm. I I am terrible about self promoting. Um, it's huge though nowadays. Yeah, I finally all I did a couple weeks ago was I I posted some pictures of 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 myself at a film premiere for a, a film that I was in and a little action film. And, uh, just from making that post, I had some two local filmmakers contact me saying, Hey, I want to, I saw your post, you know, yeah. it kept me, it, it kept you fresh in my mind. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking to cast a film that I'm doing and huh. I'd love for you to be in it. So That's- I've got, two gigs off of just making a facebook post so yeah that's important to like yeah is there a crossroads of where your music and your acting life kind of merged yeah and that was something i i never actually expected to happen i don't know why i um i i've done the music for the soundtrack of two films now um and I've been asked to do it for another one, mm. a third one. Um, so the one I've done recently is a film called Incubus, 
New Beginnings. Mm. <laughs> um, a little horror film. Um, it's out right now. Is it out? I think. ITN distribution. Um, mm. But I was asked to compose some pieces, some violin pieces for it, and then also perform them for the soundtrack. Wow. Um, at the time, I, I really wasn't sure if I was going to be able to compose. I don't, I've always been a performer. I've never been a composer. How am I trying to say this? Uh, once you allow yourself to be more open to crossing into a new venue that you've never, a new territory that you've never explored before, it just kind of comes to you. I don't know. I The music just came to me, mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we get in our own way more than anything else. We do. Yeah. We, our thoughts, our, our doubts, our self-talk, it all gets in the way. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> Last question for you. Dream role. Like if you could play like a, a real person or just like a type of character, what would it be? It would be someone who has multiple personality disorder. Oh. A film where I can just actually just have immediately transform into another, uh, where I can play multiple personalities in the uh-huh. same film. And I, I just, oof, I just love, oof, love the idea. Of yeah, that. cool. <laughs> wow, you guys, you got some skits to write, apparently. <laughs> Um, Kristen, thank you for coming over and sitting down with me. Aww. We're looking forward to all your projects. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, it was a good one. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I'd like to thank my guest, Kristen Keith. You can see her in the upcoming film, Killers of the Flower Moon, as well as the show Fairwood on the Crackle Network. Theme song, Unstoppable by Celine Narala. You can listen to the Dallas Famous Podcast every week on Deep LM Radio, Sundays and Tuesdays at 1 p.m. and then again on all the podcast places. Thanks again for tuning in.